Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, David Shows Mercy to Absalom. It shall be focused on a study of 2 Samuel chapter 14. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, as we see here the mercy that David showed towards his son Absalom. Oh Lord, we thank you for the heart that he had, how he was an image of you, a forgiving heart. And we thank you, Lord, that you took our sins and threw them in the sea of forgetfulness. And Lord, even the devil, the accuser of brethren, he comes to you with accusations and we don't even see any of the wrongs that we've done as long as we're under the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to stay there, for the devil can't do us any harm. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 2 Samuel chapter 14. Chapter 14. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was toward Absalom, and Joab sent to Tekoa, and fetched thence a wise woman, and said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner, and put on now mourning apparel, and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead. And come to the king, and speak on this manner unto him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. And when the woman of Tekoa spake to the king, she fell on her face to the ground, and did obeisance, and said, Help! O king. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, I am indeed a widow woman, and mine husband is dead. And thy handmaid had two sons, and they too strove together in the field. And there was none to part them, but the one smote the other and slew him. And behold, the whole family is risen against thine handmaid. And they said, Deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew, and we will destroy the heir also. And so they shall quench my coal which is left, and shall not leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the earth. And the king said unto the woman, Go to thine house, and I will give charge concerning thee. And the woman of Tekoa said unto the king, My lord, O king, the iniquity be on me, and on my father's house, and the king and his throne be guiltless. And the king said, Whosoever saith aught unto thee, bring him to me, and he shall not touch thee any more. Then said she, I pray thee, let the king remember the Lord thy God, that thou wouldest not suffer the revengers of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of thy son fall to the earth. Then the woman said, Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak one word unto my lord the king. And he said, Say on. And the woman said, Wherefore then hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king doth speak this thing as one which is faulty, in that the king doth not fetch home again his banished. For we must needs die, and are as water split on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. Now therefore that I am come to speak of this thing unto my lord the king, it is because the people have made me afraid. And thy handmaid said, I will now speak unto the king. 
It may be that the king will perform the request of his handmaid, for the king will hear to deliver his handmaid out of the hand of the man that would destroy me and my son together out of the inheritance of God. Then thine handmaid said, The word of my lord the king shall now be comfortable. For as an angel of God, so is my lord the king to discern good and bad. Therefore, the Lord thy God will be with thee. Then the king answered and said unto the woman, Hide not from me, I pray thee, the thing that I shall ask thee. And the woman said, Let my lord the king now speak. And the king said, Is not the hand of Joab with thee in all this? And the woman answered and said, As thy soul liveth, my lord the king, none can turn to the right hand or to the left from aught that my lord the king hath spoken. For thy servant Joab, he bade me, and he put all these words in the mouth of thine handmaid. To fetch about this form of speech hath thy servant Joab done this thing. And my Lord is wise, according to the wisdom of an angel of God, to know all things that are in the earth. And the king said unto Joab, Behold now, I have done this thing. Go therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. And Joab fell to the ground on his face, and bowed himself, and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth that I have found grace in thy sight. My lord, O king, in that the king hath fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur, and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him turn to his own house, and let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, and saw not the king's face. But in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot even to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him. And when he pulled his head, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it, because the hair was heavy on him, therefore he pulled it. He weighed the hair of his head at two hundred shekels after the king's weight. And unto Absalom there were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of a fair countenance. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, and saw not the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to have him sent to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. Therefore he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he hath barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom unto his house, and said unto him, Wherefore have thy servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king, to say, Wherefore am I come from Geshur? It had been good for me to have been there still. Now therefore let me see the king's face, and if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. So Joab came to the king, and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king, and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Burnham titled, Blind Bartimaeus. This was preached in 1960 on March the 30th. We'll begin at paragraph 12 up to paragraph 43. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Let us turn now to St. Luke's 18th chapter, 38th verse. <clears throat> I would like to read this just for a little talk before we pray. Have for the sake. 
And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Our scene opens at the north gate of the city of Jericho, A.D. 33. It must have been a cold morning. He was late. He had been dreaming all night that he could see. And he got up late made his way to his little station or post where he begged. And all in that day there was many beggars. If they didn't get to the gates early when the people were coming in to their business in the city, why, well, they had to catch the person. Maybe they could afford one coin a day to a beggar. But they'd all gone in seemingly now, and there he was left alone. He couldn't hear no one on the road. He looked to hear, I mean, listen to hear someone coming. No one was coming. So he goes over and gets him a rock and sits down. And began to think of the night when he was dreaming. Then he remembered that warm uh, Palestinian sun began to warm him up a little in his ragged coat as he sat on this rock near the wall, just out of the shadow. And he had his wrinkled face turned towards the ground. And he might have been thinking something like this. His mind went back to many years on that same hillside or near Jericho as a little boy. When he could see and how he used to love to run up and down the hill and pick little buttercups in the early spring and lay down on the hillside and watch the white clouds go by and the blue skies reflecting. What a beautiful world it was. And now he's old and everything is gone and he's blind and begging for his living. How cruel it seemed like nature had been to him. And while he was thinking on that, he remembered how that his mother used to call him from across the hill. Here along about two o'clock in the afternoon, call him in, and after he'd had his midday lunch, he would, she'd set out on the side porch that faced off towards the Jordan River, and she would get him in her arms, and she would stroke his little dark Jewish curls back and, and kiss him and say, Barney Mayus. You are the sweetest little boy in all the world. I am so glad that you're my little boy. And how he would look and see her pretty cheeks and the big brown eyes as they would smile to him as she would uh, hug her little boy to her cheeks and kiss him. And, and he used to love to hear her telling stories before she rocked him to sleep. One of his favorite stories was about a little boy once in the Bible time, she'd tell him the story of a great mighty prophet that lived by the name of Elisha that wore the mantle of Elijah with a double potion of his spirit. And how that this man was a great servant of God, how God honored his prayers and honored those who honored him. And he passed through a certain city, and there was a woman in this city that was a great woman. Not a Hebrew, but she was a Shunammite, but she honored that man because he was a great man of God, and she believed in God. And how she would tell him of the courtesy the great woman would have him stop in and eat with she and her husband. One day she said to her husband, I perceive that this man that dines with us when he's coming through, going up 
his cave in the mountain at Mount Carmel to pray, I perceive that he is a godly man, a holy man, a great man of God. I think we ought to do something for him. And they would uh, said, I pray thee, on the side of our house here, let us build him just a little house to himself, that he feels embarrassed perhaps to come in and eat with us all the time, so let's just put him a little table out there, and a, a little wash basin, a little candlestick, and a bed, a chair that he can rest in, and he can refresh himself as he comes by. And when the great prophet came by and found this, it just blessed his soul to see that she loved God well enough to honor his servant. So she then, the prophet said to his servant, Gehazi, go ask her if I could speak to the chief captain or some favor I could do for her. And the servant came back and said, no, she says she dwells among her own people and she has need of nothing. Thank you, just the same. But Gehazi said, her husband is old, and they have no children. So it must have been God gave the prophet a vision. Then when he said, call her to the door, and when she stood in the door, the aged old prophet raised up and said, Thus saith the Lord, according to the time of life, you'll bear a son. Yet the woman could not see how that could be possible. But in the time appointed, she had a nice little boy, and how she loved this little boy. And I can hear her say, Barnimaeus, you know, little boys and girls are God's blessings to a family. It's something about it that ties the family together. You see, Barnimaeus, God gave that lonesome woman a little boy. And God gave you, Barnimaeus, to hubby and I, your daddy. And now you are a little treasure here at home. Oh, we love you so much. And he'd put his little arms around her neck and hug her. There he was now, wrinkled and old. She'd been gone for years. Then she would tell the story how the little boy wanted to follow his father. So just like you, Barnabas, go out into the field, and one day, must have been about noontime, high noon in Palestine, and the sun must have stroked him because he screamed, My head, my head. His father sent him home. And he sat on his mother's lap until about noontime, and he died. But how God dealt with that woman, how she took him and went over to that little place and laid him on the bed where the prophet had laid, God's representative, laid him on the bed. She saddled a mule and went to Mount Carmel. The prophet did not know what her trouble was. He sent Gehazi and said, go see what's wrong with the Shunammite. She's got sorrow in her heart and God has hid it for me. God don't tell his prophets everything. He just tells his servants what he wants them to know, nothing else. See, they can't make God tell them anything. God just says what he wishes to say. And then how did the, the servant taken to Elijah start to go lay on the baby, but the woman held on. She knew that God was in that prophet, and she said, I'll not leave you. She wanted to know why that God gave her the baby and then took it away. But you see, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. She'd teach Barnabas those lessons. Then he would stop and say, How could it be to the good that I'm blind, man? But mother, no doubt, was right. Then he went on with his dream. And after a bit, he began to think again. Now, you know, Elijah went into that room, walked back and forth, up and down on the floor, went and laid his body on that little 
dead baby, and the baby sneezed seven times, and it came to life. Oh, how his little eyes would brighten and say, Mama, is that God still living? Oh, yes, dear. He lived right here in these hills of Judea. He stayed right around his people. He never leaves them. That was ringing down in his heart. All night he dreamed of having his sight again. He thought, oh, how glorious it would be here if I could see the autumn leaves are falling. If I could once more look around, blindness is a horrible thing. The whole world is shut off to you, the visible world. And there's thing there, and then he used to think of another great story. His mother was sitting on the porch, facing off the Jordan, and she'd say, Bonnie Mills, just right down there, less than a half a mile, just below the ford, in the month of April, when all the snows had melted and the river was way up here in the, in the valley, God led his people to the other side. And then opened up the way and come across Jordan on dry land. And he would think of them stories and say, Oh, but alas, wonder what happened to that great God. Our priest tells us, that the days of miracles is past. Those things can't happen no more. That's what's the trouble today. We have too much of that saying that God was but isn't now. The Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as much God today as he was then, and he always will be God. If he ever was God, he'll always be God. He cannot die. He he cannot get old. He cannot change his mind. He cannot make new decisions on things he's already made decisions on. His first decision was right and has to forever be right, or he made the wrong decision when he made it. See, he has to ever keep with his first decision. He's perfect, infinite, and cannot change. Oh, that's a consolation that we must have. Anybody seeking God must have that firm consolation. That God cannot change. I can say something, say, I'm sorry I said it. I might have been wrong. But he can't say that because he's perfect. He's infinite. We're finite. We can make any kind of a mistake, but he can't. And if he ever was called on the scene to heal a person, and he healed that person according to their faith, the next time he's called, he's got to heal the next one and the next one and everyone that ever comes to him. If he's called on the scene to save a person and he saves him up on his faith, everyone that calls with faith, he has to save. That's right. And remember, when God gives you a call, blessed are you when you feel God calling. Because no man can come to me except my Father calls him first. It's God knocking at your heart's door. What if he never did knock? Think of it. What a horrible thing that would be. But God gives everyone a chance. You turn it down yourself. While Barney Mayus was sitting there, all at once he heard the coming of a little mule's hoofs coming down, the big cobblestones coming down from towards Jerusalem. Oh, he thinks this must be a, a rich man coming. About the only way of travel then was by foot or by donkey, and, and the rich people could ride a mule. He must said, this must be a place I can get an arm. So he throws back his arms, running towards the street or towards the highway, saying, have mercy on me. I am a blind man. I overslept this morning. I haven't a coin. My winter's wood is not in. There's no meal in the barrel. Would you please help me? And the servant stops the little mule and he hears a, a gruff voice saying, out of my way, beggar. 
I am the servant of the Lord. I'm a priest from Jerusalem. There's to be a fanatic so-called prophet in here today to have a healing service. Out of my way. We're going to take the ministerial association down here and see if nothing like that happens in our city. We don't want none of that down here. We don't have such things as that down here. You know what? Out of my way, beggar. I must be on my way. And the little mule moved on. Barnabas finds his way back. Now the sun had raised way up in the shadow of the wall and went back a little way. So he found him a rock near the gate, feeling around the old stones that where the walls had fell. And he sat down on this stone. And he thought, where was I dreaming about? My boyhood, when I could see, when I was a little boy, I was thinking of a great Jehovah God that once was. Oh, surely God's servant wouldn't act like that. What was that he said to me about a prophet? Oh, I guess I didn't get it. And on he sat down and thought, well, you remember years ago, my mother has told me many times that right down that same road, over those same stones, come Elijah and Elijah, arm in arm, going to open up the Jordan. Right over the same stones, not twenty yards from where he was sitting. One day, two great prophets walked arm in arm to the Jordan. Same road, same stones. Oh, if I could have lived then, I would have run out there and said, Great servants of the Lord God, just ask God, God will hear your prayers. My eyes will come open like that little boy standing here last night, born blind. My eyes will come open and I'll be able to see and I can work and, and make a living and so forth. If, but alas, those prophets are gone. They say there's no more prophets and there's nothing else left and Jehovah has forsaken us and there's no more days of miracles just passed and he just expects us to live for heaven above and when we die we'll go up there but there's no help for us anymore and I believe if I would have went out there to Elisha and Elijah I would have not been treated by them servants of the Lord like I was but this one just passed by I believe they would have considered my case and at least offered a word of prayer for me as they passed by you know as a servant of God you ought to watch what you're doing because your written epistles read of all men, you Christians always be willing to land a hand or to do something to help somebody make life a little ple more pleasant for them. As you say, well, I, I don't have any gift of healing. You don't have to have. At least offer something. Offer a prayer. Do something. Make them feel. Do the best you can by them anyhow. Never turn a shoulder, a cold shoulder to anyone. No matter what it is, even if they've mistreated you. Do it anyhow. If you can't do it from your heart, then you ought to come to the altar and stay till that spirit comes in you. That from your heart you can love those who doesn't love you. That's when God will answer your prayer. For as long as there's anything in your heart, if I conceive iniquity in my heart, then God will not hear me. That's what David said, and that's, that's true. He won't hear you. Then Elijah had passed by there, and Elisha going down, but the poor blind man had been taught that the days of miracles were past. Then he remembered after Joshua had crossed over the Jordan that about 500 yards from where he was sitting, Israel camped, made their camp. And one day, that great, mighty warrior, Joshua, who took Moses' place to lead the children into the Promised Land, and when he 
was out one day walking around looking at the walls of Jericho, which was his first objective, to take that city. They was all in the doors closed and there big rocks hanging on top to throw off at him when they come up. And he was wondering just how did he be able to take that city because it was given to them and just what would be the way that God had planned to do it. And he happened to look standing before him. There stood a mighty warrior with his sword drawn. Joshua drew his sword, went out to meet him. He said, Are you for us? Are you for our enemies? And the sword glistened over his head. He said, Nay, I'm the captain of the host of the Lord. The mighty Joshua threw his sword on the ground, took off his shield, laid it down his helmet, and fell to his feet in front of him. And then blind Barney may have stopped. You know what? That happened just right out here. That great captain of the Lord's host was standing on the ground right out there. But the days of the miracles is past. Little did he know that less than a hundred yards from him stood that same captain of the host of the Lord making his way out. It's when we think of God. When we begin to dream dreams of being well, when we dream dreams of being saved, when we get to thinking about our sins and how cruel it is before God, that's when he draws near us. That's when these disciples, brokenhearted, going on the road to Emmaus, that Jesus stepped out of the bush and began to talk to them while they were thinking of him. You see, the trouble today, we got so much money and stuff on our mind, God can't have a place to get in our thinking. We want to go downtown, shop for new dresses or new hats or something or another, and we got to see Susie and John. We're going to play cards tonight. We can't go to church tonight because we love Susie on or something like that. The television programs, we got everything else on our mind. The churches has got so many orders and things to keep us so busy. Prayer meetings is left out. We need to draw nigh unto God so he'll draw nigh unto us, friends. That's right. But everything else is tough to place of the prayer meetings. Everything else is tough to place of the real spiritual worship. Oh, maybe two or three minutes in church. But I just love to lay and bathe before him. And he, don't you love that? Oh, just lift up your hands and drink from the fountain until you just can't drink no more. Just bubbling over in his sweetness and his goodness. I was talking to a noted evangelist, my brother, T.L. Osborne. He said, I was thinking, Brother Branham, of how that, that my whole objective is to save souls and give all my time to save souls to Christ. So then I happen to think, what, a, what about my own love and devotion to Christ? Christ loves him, too. He loves us. We put a lot of time in things, but God wants us to come apart and just sit down and worship him and talk with him. Talk it over. I love that. Oh, that sweetness, that's the greatest time of anybody's life, is just to sit down and meditate. Take everything off your mind. If you would do that, there wouldn't be so much nervousness around the country. If we would just think on God. Draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. While our blind beggars sat down on that cold morning shivering in the warm sun trying to bathe his back, and he thought of that great mighty warrior that stood right outside the gate from where he was sitting and talked to Joshua and gave him all the instructions how the walls would fall at the sounding of the trumpet and so forth. He was thinking, but that 
That great God can't die. He's forever alive. Just about that time he heard a noise. That same great chief captain was on his road out the gate coming through Jerusalem. And you know, there's something about it. Where Jesus is, there's usually a lot of noise. I don't know why, but it makes a lot of noise. You know, the high priest, when he went in to the holiest of holies, he had, it was anointed with a, a perfume and with anointing oil. And on his, the hem of his garment, they had a pomegranate and a bell. And every time he walked, that played holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And the only way that they know he was alive when he was back in the holiest of holies because there was a noise. I wonder if there isn't some deadness somewhere. All right. That's the only way they know he was alive because he was making a noise back in there. They were listening to see if there was still life in there when he went into the holiest of holies. And when Jesus came forth out of the gate, there come a great multitude rushing and perhaps run over the poor old beggar. He was blind and he said, what's going on? What's the matter? Nobody paying any attention to him. And he heard the, somebody saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Women were screaming. Men were screaming. Then he could hear others mocking and making fun. Then he heard the, the head of the association of Jerusalem, that priest, scream out and said, Say! You fake prophets. They tell me you raised a dead man. We've got a whole graveyard full of them up here. Come up and raise these. Let us see you do it. But you see, Jesus never did mind devils. He just let them go on. He, had, he minded the Father. What, he did what the Father showed him to do. And, and he didn't turn any stones to bread. They put a rag around his face one time and hit him on the head. Said, now, if you're a prophet, tell us who hit you. We'll believe you. If Put a rag, and he never opened his mouth and said a word. Hang it on the cross. They said, tear your hands loose. Come down off the cross if you be Christ. He could have done it. Sure he could. He could have done it. But if he had done it, he had been minding the devil. That's right. So as Billy Sunday said, one time said, every tree had 50 angels sitting in it. So just, just tie your hand loose and point towards us. And we'll change this scene here in a few minutes. K. Ephesus said, he saved others himself he can't save, not knowing he was giving him the greatest compliment he ever had. If he saved himself, he couldn't save others, so he gave himself that he could save others. I'm glad that he was able to resist the temptation of the devil. Jesus, when you hear people say, let me see him heal this one, let me see him heal that one, just know that's the devil. That's the same voice. See? There's an old man down here on the corner. He's got uh, sells pencils. I know he's a good old fellow. Come down and heal him. Let me see your divine healers do that. Just remember, that's the voice of the devil. That's right. Just remember, that's what the Scripture says. And there's a lot of them. It's just a lot like that. But, of course, devils don't die. The, the devil takes his man, but never his spirit. God takes his man, but never his spirit. The battle goes on just the same. And then... These crowd rushed out and they screamed at him and this, that. And finally he said, what's going on? What is wrong? What is wrong here? What's all this rush about? What's all the noise? No one was paying any attention to him. And I believe, let's think it was a nice little believer on the Lord Jesus. Maybe a little lady stepped down, a poor old fella. And you know, people that follow Jesus have sympathy for people like that. Followers of Christ. Stepped down, picked the old fellow up and said, Sir, ha have they pushed you off of the rock here? Yes, miss. 
uh, uh, what's going on? Oh, you don't understand. No. Well, did you ever uh, hear of Jesus of Nazareth? I don't believe I ever did, said Barney Mayer. Well, Jesus of Nazareth is that great prophet that Moses said would be raised up among us of our own people. He's passing by. Oh, if you could have seen him, I'm sure he would have restored your sight. Oh, where's he at? Oh, he's about a hundred yards or two down the road. He raised up. Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Some of them said, oh, shut up. You make so much noise, you give me a headache. The rest of them around here hollering also, shut up. Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I don't believe he could have heard his voice. There's too much screaming and going on. But he knew that if he was that prophet of God, he could be touched. I believe maybe he slipped down and said, Oh, Lord God, please stop him. Please, Lord, be merciful to me while mercy is passing by. And Jesus stopped, looked back. I believe it. The woman touched his garment. He felt virtue go from him. That's the same Jesus just a few days later. His, not his, his screaming stopped him, but his face stopped him. And the Bible said Jesus stood still. Oh, brother. When a faith of a blind beggar can stop him still in his tracks. A man that was sitting outside the gate, excommunicated from, from uh, what we'd say, society. And he was a beggar and poor and ragged, blind and miserable. But his faith stopped the Son of God. What was on the Son of God? He was on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified for the sins of the world. The whole weight of every sin that was ever committed in the world laid upon his precious shoulders. His head was in the air. Overwriting fruit and vegetables was being thrown at him. Away with such a man. Others hollered, Hosanna, Hosanna. The other hollered, Come raise the dead. Show us something you can do. Such a confusion as that. But he kept his face towards Jerusalem. He knew he was going there to die for the people that was crying for his blood. Could you imagine what that was? His own children crying for the Father's blood. That's exactly right. And then, with all that upon his shoulders, with all that facing him, and he knew he'd come to do that, yet the cry and the prayer and the faith of that one old blind beggar stopped him still in his tracks. And he turned around and he said, Your faith has saved you. Oh, my Thy faith has saved thee. I can hear someone say, be of a good cheer. Be of a good cheer. He goes on down the road. He stands. He said, what did he say to me? What did he say now? Thy faith has saved thee. Standing looking. After a while, he began to see his fingers. Something was happening. His faith was being confirmed. Your faith can stop him tonight. In the great rush. The coming of the Lord Jesus and all that there is. There's not a person in here too poor or too ragged or too insignificant. You're not too low in morals or life. Or what you can stop him right where he's at now and he'll stand and call you. Some time ago I was taking a little lesson on Barnimaeus that said that he had been blind for many years. He had a wife and a little girl. One night his wife got real sick and he... He went out and prayed. He said, Lord, 
heal my wife. And if you let my wife get well, you had, you had to do something to make it little enchantments for the public or you would never be able to stop them. Like in India, Brother Osborne, if you're here tonight, you understand what I mean. They got a little monkey or something or another that they have to do to or have a, a clover snake or some kind of a something enchantment to stop tourists to get money when they pass by. And they said Barney Mayus had two little turtle doves and they done little tumbles over each other. And that would attract the attention of the, the pass-by tourists and the people coming in out of the city. He said, Lord, I love my wife. If you let her get well, tomorrow I'll give you them two turtle doves for sacrifice. Well, his wife got well and he took the turtle doves for sacrifice. Then later on, his little girl that he had never seen in his life She'd been born since she was blind, about 12 years old, said she had real pretty golden hair, it's a little story, of course, and said that she got sick one night and the doctor had been there and said, Barney Mayus, she's got a fever, she'll just can't live with this kind of fever. And after the doctor left, he felt his way outside the house when the wind was blowing around by the rose bush, and he looked up to where he thought God would be and he said, Father, I don't have nothing. I have one thing left, and that's my lamb. And today you seen, I forget what they call it, when a dog leads a blind man, and a blind leads a blind, the blind dog leads a blind, or the dog leads a blind man. In them days, they had a lamb that led the blind. And instead of uh, a dog, they trained the lamb. Barney Mayus had a lamb and led him over to his place where he begged. And he said, Lord, if you will just let my little girl get well, I'll take my lamb and I'll sacrifice it for you. And the little girl got well. And the next day he is on his road to take the lamb up to the church to the sacrifice block. And the priest was standing up at the, up on the banisters of the building. He said, where goest thou, blind Barney Mayus? He said, I go to the temple to sacrifice this lamb unto the Lord. Oh, he said, blind Barney Mayus, you cannot sacrifice that lamb. Here, I'll give you the price of the lamb and you buy it out of the stalls and sacrifice it. He said, I never promised God a lamb. I promised him this lamb. He said, blind Barney Mayus, but you can't do that. That lamb is your eyes. He said, if I'll keep my word to God, God will provide a lamb for blind Barnabas' eyes. This cold November day, that's what God had done, had provided a lamb for blind Barnabas' eyes. May I say this tonight, my dear brother, sister, that same lamb is provided for you and for me. God has provided a lamb of our eyes of understanding. For our, This lamb was provided for our healing. He was provided so that his spirit could live among us through this day. To bring Christ in a reality to us, God's Lamb is provided. Thou, Son of David, have mercy on me. Let us pray. Gracious God, full of mercy and truth, Thou, the stream of all my comfort, said blind Fanny Crosby, more than life to me, whom have I on earth beside thee, or whom in heaven but thee? And she screamed out again, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. 
while others are calling, do not pass me by. Dear Jesus, that is our humble plea tonight. Do not pass by this auditorium here in Tulsa tonight without stopping, Lord, and visiting us. We love you with all of our hearts. We praise thee with all that is within us. And we believe that you are the same great chief captain, the captain of our salvation. And we are looking for you to come in glory someday, bringing with you the host of angels, and to receive your precious church that's been called out of the world and washed in your blood, bearing in their body your name. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will grant tonight that if there be one in your arm, many, I do not know their hearts, thou dost. If they do not know you as their precious Savior and feels that warmth of fellowship, God, let it come to pass at this very hour that they will receive thee and love thee, and you will draw nigh unto them. May they think on thee now and be drawn nigh. Grant it, Lord. May there not be a sinner, boy, girl, man, or woman walk out of here tonight. May there not be a backslider walk out tonight. But what has come to God and had their sins forgiven? May they cry in their heart, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. Grant it, Lord. While we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder in this visible audience tonight, I want you to be real honest and everybody pray. Pray especially for those who doesn't know Christ now. Is there any here while you're praying? Would just like to lift up your hand. You're on the bottom floor. Lift up your hand, not to me, but to him, and say, Thou son of David, I've trespassed against thee. I've broken thy commandments. Be merciful to me at this hour. Would you raise your hand so I can just see and pray for you? God bless you. God bless you. All down along the floor here. Over to my right. God bless you. Raise your hand. Say, pray for me, Brother Branham. God bless you. That's good. God bless you. I trespass against thy laws, O Lord. I want you to be merciful to me. God bless this man laying here and this cot laying here. God grant tonight that you can go home and be well, sir. Up in the balconies to my right, would raise your hands. God bless you, lady. God bless you. That's good. Someone else, raise your hand. Just slip up your hand while every eye closed and everyone praying. Let it be just the Holy Spirit and I, if you will. The balconies to the through the center here, would there be any up there would raise your hand, say, pray, God bless you, sir, God bless you, that's good. The balcony to my left, raise your hand, God bless you, lady. I, God bless you, young fella. That's a great stand for a teenager. That's the greatest thing you ever done, son. You might have done many a great thing, but that's the greatest. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. I want your mercies now. Now or in my death, I want you to receive me into your kingdom. I don't know when that'll be, maybe before the service closes tonight. Maybe before I get home, one of these nights somewhere, someplace, sometime a day or night, you're going to feel the pulse coming up your sleeve. It's all then. Oh, my, don't let it happen until you know the Lord Jesus as your 
own dear personal Savior. It will be another now before we pray. Anywhere, boy, girl, man, or woman, God bless you. Our Heavenly Father, be merciful now. They, they've raised their hands crying, Thou Son of David, be merciful to me. And may they this very hour receive Jesus as their personal Savior. May he come in great power in their life. This young man up here, Lord, that raised his hand, something's dealt deeply with my heart on that boy. I pray, Father, maybe you're calling a minister to the service. Oh, I pray that you'll bless him and all these others that raise your hands, young and old. May they receive Jesus just now as Savior. Then go out of here and be baptized in some good church and Christian faith. Receive the Holy Spirit and go out into the service of God to do whatever they can do to help bring Jesus to this dying nation and dying world. Grant it, Father. Pass by us tonight, Father, and visit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the abundant nature of your mercy and how even before you bring judgment to any man, you first warn him. We see, Lord, all the warnings growing through our earth today. May you help us to take heed and be ready for, Lord, and be have the token so that when you come, Lord, and the death angel comes through the land that we might be found to escape the eternal death. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. what I need when sin demanded justice for my soul mercy said no I'm not gonna let you go I'm not gonna let you slip away you don't have to be afraid
that he sent his son to save us from the cross he built a bridge to set us free oh but deep within our hearts there is still a war that rages and makes a sacrifice so hard to see Evil tried to stop redemption's 